Welcome to the podcast, The Caring Scientist, Mission Sustainable. This is the podcast where we discuss sustainability in science and we give you hands-on tips on how you can reduce the environmental impact of your lab work. Welcome to this uh, very first episode of our podcast on sustainability in science. We thought it would be really nice if you could get to know us a little bit before we actually start talking about all the things that you can do and we can do to make science a little greener. So this first episode is, uh, is about your two co-hosts, Adriana and Nicoline. So today you will uh, get to know us a little better. You're going to learn a little bit about our background, but also uh, why we're doing what we're doing and how we got interested in both sustainability, but also specifically sustainability in science. So uh, Adriana, tell me a little bit about your background. What kind of scientist are you and how did you uh, get interested in sustainability in science? Sure. So I'm a scientist working in a biomedical startup in Cambridge in the UK. And I first became interested in sustainability in my private life. Whenever I was going for a hike, for example, I've noticed that there was, even in a very remote place, uh, plastic waste lying around or in the sea whenever I was going uh, swimming. So I wanted to do something about it and I became quite active and joined several initiatives to help to clean the sea from plastic waste or waste in general. And then I realized that we as scientists are contributing to a considerable amount to the global plastic waste problem and I wanted to do something about it. So that's why I did some research about sustainability and science and I wrote a few articles and then a friend of mine found you on social media so I connected with you and we had an amazing chat and decided to raise awareness about sustainability in labs and make it a collaborative effort so this is the story behind my journey um, into sustainability and now I'm curious to hear more about you Nicolina how did you end up doing what you're doing? Because you are a scientist, um, but a year ago you decided to make a change and make a difference and help labs to become more sustainable. I think for all of the choices I have made in my so-called career, I can say they have been pretty random in a way. I mean, I always followed my gut feeling and I followed my immediate like. Uh, yeah, what can you say, interest, but I never had a long-term plan with what I was doing because I never was able to long-term plan. I never had this calling that I felt like I was going after. Um, I mean, I have had study friends who knew really early what they wanted to become, and I always really envied that. I was like, I'm studying biochemistry because I like biology and chemistry, but I literally have no idea what I'm going to use it for. And that has always been a little bit of a pain that I didn't know why I was doing what I was doing, but in the end, I'm really happy that I just did what I immediately felt like doing. So my path here has been really random, but the reason why I'm now working as an independent value-driven dream lab consultant, so to say, is that I just gradually doing my PhD and postdoc really grew interested in sustainability. I was doing research on DNA damages or DNA damage responses in, the, in human cells. So trying to find out how do our cells detect DNA damage and how do they signal there's damage and how do they eventually also repair it or if they may, maybe they don't repair it, like why don't they repair it then? So that's what I was studying, but I wasn't really passionate about it. Um, I liked working in a lab. I really liked the combination of all the kind of tasks you have in, in a lab. 
but I wasn't really passionate about it. And then I thought, you know what, maybe you just never find something you're passionate about. Um, but then, yeah, not so many years ago, right, this whole climate agenda just hit full speed. Uh, and I did a lot of stuff in, in my private life to to reduce my env environmental impact. Um, and it felt really wrong that I wasn't doing things doing things at my at my workplace. So it felt like when I came to work, I would have to uh, put away my values and ideas and put up these like just this tunnel vision and be like, yes, we live an enormous amount of waste and all kinds of things behind when we do lab work, what we're doing it for a reason. And I can't care so much about sustainability at work uh, because it's not possible. Yeah, I personally feel exactly the same way about it. It kind of started as a lifestyle and that lifestyle made me realize the enormous ecological footprint that labs leave behind. And when we're talking about sustainability, it's um, not only about plastic waste, it's also about the high level of energy uh, consumption and water consumption. But it's also about the toxicity of many, many chemicals. But there are ways to be more sustainable in a lab. And this is also what we're going to talk about in the next episodes. But I think the problem is um, this automatic uh, mindset or, or behavior that we as scientists have adopted. Because we were trained to throw away tips or, or not use them twice because of risk of contamination. And what I've noticed personally is that this behavior we also carry over to experiments where actually contamination is not an issue. So so changing habits can be difficult, but it's definitely possible. And I think if we make more scientists aware about the ecological responsibility they carry, they probably want to do more about it and and they their behavior will will change and one way i like to think about is that i'm in the biomedical research um, where we aim to find cures or delay the onset of certain diseases however we have to be good at sorting waste at putting biohazardous waste into the right bins because If that gets out in the nature somehow, um, where it shouldn't belong, there's a risk that we can make people sick. So we scientists, we have actually quite a big responsibility. Yeah, it's very, it's very uh, paradoxical somehow, right? That we are doing really important things in the in the labs, and uh, at the same time, we're also really leaving a considerable footprint behind that isn't. I mean, many, many, many other businesses cannot compare to the lab work, right? And that's just, it's, it's not that we should stop doing science and stop working in labs, but we should think about how can we keep that great impact that we have and reduce the, the not so great ecological impact that we have. Um, and for me, it was really, it was, I'm so happy that I'm now combining two things that, that I'm comfortable with, that I know really well, but also that I'm passionate about because... I've been working in science wet labs, right, for many years during my studies and PhD and postdoc. And that's really, that's somehow really where I belong um, in a way. And at the same time, I'm now, I'm now taking the topic of my, like my greatest topic, passionate topic into that world. And I think that's a great combination. It's also tough because just like you said, it's, 
I think everybody would like to do green stuff in the lab. I don't think anybody doesn't want to, but it can be really hard to see how you can do it without yeah, compromising your work somehow with time or money or, I mean, it's not like people in labs are just waiting for things to happen so they are not bored. People are running around and they're very busy and they have parallel experiments and they want to do more things in a week than they should be doing uh, out of mental health uh, considerations, right? So I think everybody means well, but we have to somehow make it apparent that you can do it without compromising your mental health or your work. Yeah, I think it's a very good point you're bringing up because even if people want to change and promote sustainability in science, I feel like time is another important factor to take into consideration because we are a busy industry. We have, as you said, a lot of experiments to run, deadlines to meet. And if we have to think about sustainability on top of that, that may be overwhelming for some people. And I think... By raising awareness about the impact of our industry um, on the environment, it's the first step and hopefully it can change the mindset of more and more people and yeah, collectively we can come up with solutions and build a more circular economy structure. So Nicolina, next question for you. Um, I'm quite curious to, to hear a bit more about the transition time between you being a scientist and deciding to become a consultant in science sustainability? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it really it was never planned. I didn't like orchestrate and coordinate a lot of stuff so things would end up this way. But, um, but during my PhD, I had zero idea of what I wanted to use it for. Um, I knew I didn't want to stay in academia and I knew I wouldn't fit into industry. And I was like, those are the only two options people ever tell me about. So what can I actually do? And then at some point, I just knew that I had to do something with uh, like the environment or the planet. Um, so I decided to quit. And I was like, I'm going to take a break and see where it brings me and maybe do some internships or whatever in in companies or NGOs that I feel are doing meaningful things. And then I'm just going to find out probably what I want to do. Um, so I decided to quit and I also quit. I actually resigned to my boss. Uh, and it was not until I had actually resigned that I knew that I wanted to do this. So it was on a bike ride from, I was out for a beer. <laughs> and on my way home, I just uh, had this idea that maybe I could do it. And the next day I wrote an email to uh, to the course coordinator where I did my PhD. If I could, if they would let me do a do a, a workshop on the, on the topic, and then it actually just took off from there. And now I do. And then, of course, I mean, Corona came. I was planning on actually taking a break, going on interrail, so going by train to southern Spain, do yoga teacher training for a month. And I mean, I I, I was having the best uh, the best spring plans ever. But uh, but yeah, then the pandemic came. So um, then I was like, okay, well. This is not the year where I'm going to do uh, interrail and yoga teacher training, but this is the year where I'm going to do something for sustainability in labs. And so I've been working uh, almost entirely online, right, since I started. So, um, so this whole uh, online world that came with the pandemic has really been a gift for me in many ways. I mean, it, I mean, it's not that I'm a big fan of the pandemic, but good things can come out of crappy situations. And now I'm doing a lot of online stuff, online webinars and workshops, and we're doing a podcast via Zoom, right? I mean, there are so many things you can do online, and I'm really grateful for 
Definitely. I think nobody kind of expected this uh, pandemic to take so long. And I feel also personally, um, yeah, it was challenging. And at some point I got so tired of just like online meetings all the time. But it was also like an interesting time to discover um, new things for me personally. For me, it was a good time to re reflect about life and, and work and this uh, sustainability uh, topic just kept on popping up. And um, that's why I also started writing a few articles about this topic. Before you said you're a scientist and you work with uh, like biomedical topics somehow. Um, but what did you like more specifically, what have you been doing research on also to get an idea of what kind of lab work you have been doing? Yeah, my master's I did in Copenhagen in a lab that was um, working on neuropharmacology. So I was working with cell cultures, also making my own primary cultures. Um, yeah, and there was a lot of uh, screening processes involved. And then in my PhD, I worked mainly on antibody developability. So basically predicting whether an antibody can be used as a successful therapeutic early on. And that was a combination of computational methods, but it was also a lot of screening essays in the lab and high throughput formats. I was doing my PhD partly here in Cambridge, but also at Aarhus University and Novo Nordisk in Copenhagen. And right now I'm working in a startup where I work on neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. And we are trying to develop compounds that delay the onset of, of these diseases. And I'm working in the diagnostic team where we are developing antibodies. In general, I'm, I'm really interested in, in the immune system and especially also neuroscience. I mean, we do a lot of screenings, as I was saying, so we use a lot of tips. Uh, we use a lot of plates every day. I think you're also you're really hitting a like a sweet spot when it comes to uh, to scientists and sustainability. I think first of all, of course, there is a lot of plastic waste coming coming out of labs, but it's also where most people, um, like how most people's interest is is caught. Uh, when I do webinars and workshops, I always ask people, why are, why are you here? What you're interested? Like, what are you interested in hearing about today? And how did you get interested in the first place in And going green in the lab and and it's literally everybody who mentions plastic in in some form or the solid waste right because it's it's so obvious to us that's one thing but also uh, outside the labs in our private lives there's so much focus on on plastic right and for good reasons um, so i think that's where that's where the inner conflicts are often uh, starting uh, for scientists it's uh, You're there to, to do great things, maybe not to save the planet, but at least you're interested in something that you think will eventually maybe at some point make a positive difference in the world. And at the same time, you're you're contributing to, to the plastic waste problem. Um, and then, of course, I think that's where most people start their interest. And then if you if you dig a little deeper, you find out that plastic is, of course, not the only problem with labs. Um, we're consuming so much energy and we're consuming a lot of water and uh, Especially the products that we're using in labs are leaving a, a considerable footprint behind. So the whole procurement, because everything that enters the door of the lab has been produced somewhere by raw materials and with the use of energy. It's been packaged and it's been shipped. And, uh, and after you use it, it's going to be disposed of in some form, whether it's a chemical or 
the packaging or it's it's a plastic product or whatever, right? So it's really labs are are really leaving a footprint behind, not just plastic wise, but generally. And that means there's also a great potential. It makes so much sense to take the green actions at work because your footprint from your lab work is so much higher than the ecological footprint from your private life. So, um, Nicolina, if you could explain in a bit more detail um, what a green consultant does. Um, so I do a lot of webinars and workshops for, um, for mainly uh, academia uh, outside of Denmark, but also inside of Denmark. Um, and then I also do longer uh, green lab projects. Um, I have one ongoing with a biotech or pharma company uh, a little bit north of Copenhagen, where I'm sort of guiding a lab over six months uh, or two labs in a company um, on how to both change some cultural things, but also some procedures and purchasing in a greener way and things like that. Um, and then I'll also start uh, working with University of Copenhagen uh, within the next few months where we are going to do a, a one-year pilot with the certification of laboratories. Um, and I think what I really like about it is that it's like generally my work that it's, it's not about techn technological hacks, it's about people. Because the real key to going green is in the people in the labs. It's the lab users. And I think that really triggers something in me. I think it's really important that the people are in the focus, both because we have the power, but also because it has to be a nice working environment. And uh, everybody has to thrive. And at the moment, they don't. I think there's way too much stress and anxiety in academia, and we have to deal with that. And we also have to make sure that going green is not at like at the expense of the good working conditions um, and changing habits and culture. That's the most difficult thing, right? But it's doable. Of course we can do it. It just takes effort and time. Oh, yes, I agree with you. It takes effort and time, but it is doable. And I've also observed that the mindset of many scientists has actually changed during the pandemic because for the first time in Yeah, in our scientific careers, we actually had to experience uh, shortages of, of certain products like piper tips uh, and consumables that are extensively used for COVID testing. So people are starting to reuse uh, things and are becoming more aware about the limited resources that we have. Have you encountered anything like this? I think, I mean, when you when you mention pipette tips, I think that's exactly where people feel it. I mean, I know also gloves, for example. Um, I mean, most of the scientists I'm working with or talking to, they definitely feel it both on the tip side and the gloves glove side. Um, and I think in a way, and again, the pandemic is not a good thing, but good things can come out of bad situations, right? And I think maybe it's a little healthy for us to experience that there are not endless resources of everything on this planet. because in principle, we know it. We know it's a closed system. Uh, there's not energy or resources coming from another planet to our planet. It is what it is. And now we're feeling it in like really small, specific cases. Like, okay, you can actually not just order all the tips you want in the world. Well, you can order them, but you're not going to get them until in six months. Maybe. Uh, so maybe that gives us an, an healthy idea of, yeah, it's like resources are just not endless. Um, and, um, and and I think, of course, it's also hard to separate things. I think one thing is that now we actually feel it, that there are things we can't get to the lab and that that's maybe triggering some kind of green green mentality in the labs. 
but we can also not separate it, of course, from the whole climate and sustainability agenda that is running full speed in, in our private lives and in the rest of the world. And I think that's, I mean, sustainability is slowly creeping into the labs and it's only, it's only becoming more and more prominent. Also because I think, I mean, a lot of universities now have climate goals or sustainability goals for 2030. And if they want to actually achieve those goals, they have to work on the labs because labs are like make out a huge proportion of, of the footprint of a, of a university. In, so I think it comes from so many sides. It comes from the pandemic. It comes from above, like the top now wants us to take green actions, but it also comes from a lot of the young researchers, right? Who are, who are doing so many things in their private life uh, to not uh, ruin our planet. And then they are just in inner conflicts when they have to go into a lab where they don't do those things. So we're now towards the end of this podcast. Um, why don't we quickly explain the listeners what they can expect from this podcast. Yeah, I mean, today was very much about you and me and what we think about, about sustainability and labs and, and so on. And of course, we will, I mean, it's always going to be kind of personal because it's our personal opinions that are going to go into it. But for now, the general idea of the podcast is that, that every time we're going to pick a topic or a question, right, and then we're going to address it. We're going to find data and we're also going to give like the listeners hands on tips, easy actions you can you can take if you want to not just listen and be inspired, but actually go make a green difference. And plastic is going to be the first topic that we'll cover because that's also how both you and me initially got interested in the topic. But we'll also cover a lot of other topics. Exactly. And we want the listeners as well to encourage them to, to send us their, their questions, maybe even their experiences and, and, and tips. In the next episode where we're going to talk about plastics, it's mainly about the research that we've been conducting from the perspective of myself, a scientist working in a lab, and Nicoline, who's been now working as a consultant at Ava Sustain with different institutions like academia and the industry. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's actually it for today. Um, we're looking really like very much forward to, to doing so many podcasts with all kind of hopefully inspiring topics that will make our listeners both aware, but also feel like you want to take actions uh, because there's so many things we could do and it doesn't have to be a, a gloomy story. It can be a green story. That's also fun to take part in. Tune in for, uh, for the next many episodes of this podcast and let us know what you think about it. And also if you have any topics you would like us uh, to cover. Thank you so much for listening. And if you want to get in touch, please feel free to email us at podcast at avasustain.com. That is podcast at avasustain.com. We have also put this email address and other useful links in the notes below this podcast. Till next time.